What's up, Cluck listeners? Ted Cluck here, co-host of the Cluck Podcast, and I am hopping on quick to introduce a new project, a new podcast project called Charismatic Dirtbags. It's a podcast about rock stars, uh, a little podcast that I launched with two of my students at Union University, David Alcazar and Truman Forehand, and we, each season, will take a handful of rock stars, run them through a handful of questions about rock star qualities. What makes someone a rock star? Where's their career going? What's their arc, etc. Um, the show is Charismatic Dirtbags. It's going to drop in the Cluck feed for a couple of apps, and then it'll get its own feed. We hope you love it. Take care. Bye-bye. Hey, welcome to the Charismatic Dirtbags podcast. I am Ted Cluck, joined as always in studio by my co-hosts and my co-dirtbags, David Alcazar and Truman Forehand. Uh, boys, you are far from dirtbags. I should be clear about that. Um, you're actually students in my writing program at the small private Christian college where I'm a teacher. And I'm excited about this show. This was born from Alcazar, one of your stories in which you talked about a certain performer as a charismatic dirtbag. And I have a longstanding relationship with the word dirtbag. It's an affectionate relationship. I think it's funny. Um, And I think it's a great way to talk about rock stars. And the setup here is quite simple. Um, We're going to zip through the same handful of questions. We're going to run a handful of rock stars through this rubric, one each episode. And we're starting with Matty Healy from the 1975. And boys... In as much as I just had you in class like an hour ago, uh, I can't help but notice that you're both wearing the 1975 gear. Um, And I know that you both went to the show last night. So, Trudes, I want to start by asking how much you paid for that sweatshirt. It's a very nice, it's a very handsome blue sweatshirt. It says the 1975 on it. I know that gear purchased at the venue is gradations more expensive than gear purchased online. This is, listen, this is a no judgment podcast, okay? Um, but just for the sake of conversation, what are we looking at vis-a-vis that hoodie? Uh, yeah, I'm going to be fully real. I dropped $85 on this. Um, <laughs> okay, in my defense, it doesn't yeah. just say the 1975 on the front. It also has the tour dates on the back. So, oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah I have it to the back. The yeah, 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 yeah that, that's a value add right there. Absolutely. <laughs> paid for that. Yeah, that, so exactly. Because you, you got to check like the both sides printing thing when you order it. Dude, so talk me through it. So you're standing in line at the venue... And you're a college student. I don't. I don't presume to know a lot about your financial situation, but I know that college students typically don't have a lot of money. So you're you're standing there and you're looking at all the gear options available to you. And what what made you? At what moment were you like, I'm pulling the trigger on that hoodie. I'm going 85 plus tax out of pocket. I'm doing it. So it, I mean, it was the moment I was at the register. I walked okay. up not knowing what I was going to say and not not really knowing what words were going to come out of my mouth. <laughs> I didn't but, know you had to have a line at the register, you know, well, like well, I, you, yeah. know, you, you you know, you're getting ready. Like yeah, you you're said. getting ready. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and yeah, I surprised myself when I said it. It's the mm-hmm. one that I wanted. Didn't really want to pony up, pony up for it. Um, 
yeah, financially, I make enough to pay for, you know, coffee and, you know, cookout. Yeah. So I was like, you know, I can, I can sacrifice some of those. Things. Any regrets the day after? I don't want there to be. No, no, okay. f- fully no regrets. No. Good, good. Alcazar, you're wearing a, uh, a long sleeve t-shirt. Um, also purchased at the venue. The type of t-shirt that I know from experience that after washing, it's going to feel like a piece of paper on your skin. But um, I'm setting the over under at 45 bucks. Are, are you taking the over or the under on how much you actually paid for it? Yeah, it's, it's definitely over, but not only by $5. Okay. So I spent 50 on this. Yeah. Very much so not worth $50. No. But you know what it's worth, though? It's worth the experience of going to a show with your friends, driving home at 1 in the morning, talking about the sweet gear that you got, and talking about the show that you just saw, which is really what we want to talk about on this podcast, right? We want to talk about what makes someone a rock star, rock star qualities kind of trying to put words and concepts to the idea of charisma, the idea of why one artist could be a rock star, one artist isn't. And we've got a series of questions to run through, and I just want to get into these, boys. Um, So without further ado, we're talking about Maddie Healy from the 1975. Um, And the first question, and we'll start with you, Alcazar, is what's your experience with this person? My experience with, with Healy goes back, I think, uh, I don't even know how many years, but when I was 16, so I'm 20 now, so four years ago, is when I started listening to the 1975, watching the music videos, watching the interviews. I really fell in love with the music, the sound of the 1975, and as I mean, as you do, especially with someone like Healy, you also become interested in, in the person. And Healy, for me, I'm definitely not a dirtbag, like you mentioned. Yeah. At least I, I hope I'm not a dirtbag. <laughs> um, and I, I don't think I'm nearly, I, I'm not nearly to his level, you know, yeah. how, he, yeah. how he acts and behaves. But I think at the time, where I was growing up and what I was thinking about when I was 16 was, how do I get girls? Basically. Yeah, right. Um, and I, I wasn't athletic. I wasn't, I, I guess, traditionally attractive. And here's this guy, Healy. Trudes and I both think you're very attractive. Oh, yeah, I, I yeah. appreciate that. <laughs> this was my rationale, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and here's Healy. He's this guy that people are into. Yes. But he's not He's not really this, like, you don't look at him immediately and go, this is Brad Pitt. Yeah, he's not conventionally handsome. He's yeah. not, like, 6'2", with broad shoulders and an incredible jawline and the, and the whole thing. Yeah. Um, so you were connecting with something on a charisma level, even at 16, which is an exciting thing to do. You're seeing some upside in yourself, like how could I be more like this person? Yeah, I'm in, that's fascinating. Trudes, what about your experience with Maddie Healy? So mine was less so based on, on persona at first, and it was it was just the music. I will say the first song that I ever heard by the 1975, and ever like actually knew any part of, was, it's called The Sound, mm-hmm. and it, that song just gives you like a whole window into like what his kind of dirtbag persona is. Yeah. Um, because there's this whole part of the song where he calls himself like, um, you know, a syncophetic, pathetic, Socratic, junkie wannabe. And then like mm-hmm. he says he has like a simple Epicurean philosophy, which is like, there's no reason you should say that in a pop rock song. Yeah. Like y- you don't have to try that hard. But there's, you know, there's a certain like rhythm, there's a certain cadence, there's a certain appeal to the way he says it. There's a certain kind of honors community pretentious flex in yeah. there too, somewhere yeah. like layers yeah. deep. It's kind of fun. Yeah, it, there's a certain like like Timothy Chalamet esque like, yeah. you know, pretend, you know, philosophical vibe to it. Like I'm not the six two lantern jawed stud, but I'm the guy in the back of the classroom making you laugh with my 
wry commentary kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So he really is doing this Chalamet thing before Chalamet did the Chalamet thing. I, I would better. argue that let's let's do thirty seconds on this, and we can because it's our show. Yeah, we're on Chalamet now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think he does it better than Chalamet. Oh, yeah. I agree. I think he does Chalamet better than Chalamet in that, like, I mean, he invented Chalamet. I think he did, dude. But did Rivers Cuomo invent Matty Healy? Oh, that's a fair question. Yeah, we'll get to Rivers in a later episode, but you you could address that question. I think Matty Healy has a different quality. I'll just say that. I think he does. I think Chalamet's too. He's too movie star nice. I think he he's he, too yeah. fey, dude. He yeah. blow over in a stiff breeze. Yeah. You know what I, I mean? And I, this is I love Chalamet. I think yeah. I'm probably the strongest Chalamet defender out of the three of us. Yeah, yeah. But he's definitely <laughs> he wants to be the dirtbag that Maddie Healy is, but ultimately he's going to get his feelings hurt. Yeah, you know. Whereas you you get the sense, and this is a this is a foundational dirtbag thing. If we're going on the positive side of dirtbag. There's no worries that the that the dirtbag is getting his feelings hurt. Like he's good. He's a self-contained unit, and um, I think there's something appealing about that to me. What do you think, Truth? Well, I think it's all it's all based on like the degree to which the dirtbag thing is actually a part of who you are. And yeah, it's not, and it is a part of who Matty Healy is. Like he he has the credentials. He kind of put in his time. I'm not going to endorse you know heroin, but yeah, yeah. You know, like Matty Healy actually, you know, he he did heroin. He's had like all of these like roadie experiences as a musician. Right, right. You know, he 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 put in the hard hours being a dirtbag. Yeah. Uh, so you know, it's it's very genuine. He has the PhD in uh, dirtbagger. He's got a doctorate in dirtbag. Yeah, I love yeah. it. <laughs> So real quick, my experience with this person is I got the, the I don't know if it's the first record. It's a self-titled one. Yeah, the first yeah, one. First yeah, one. I, I picked that up like a decade or more ago when I was playing football in France. And I enjoyed the music. And the fact that Matty Healy was British delighted my youngest son, Maxim, because his voice sounded like the voice of a teammate of mine named Thomas. Shout out, Thomas, if you're listening to Charismatic Dirtbags 12 years later. Um, so Maxim loved the record. I loved the record. It was a really fun listen just in the car, driving around with, with my kids or myself. And I thought the production value was really amazing. I was just kind of into the record. And then due to just like adulthood and middle age intervening, I kind of lost track of this band, really until we started talking about Amalcazar. And you hit me with some links to like, some foundational Matty Healy dirtbag media, i.e., some some Rolling Stone articles and just some different some different pieces. And I was like, oh yeah, this guy has it. Yeah. Um, but I'm really just kind of getting started. Whereas you guys have like masters in Matty Healy, I'm <laughs> I'm taking my first like hundred level class, but I'm enjoying it. Yeah, we'll uh, walk along with you. Through yeah, the you'll walk alongside we'll me. I appreciate the dynamic. We'll be the professor now. <laughs> no, uh, yeah. Hey, I'm the student, lifelong learner over here. All right, so I really like this question. What is his greatest rock star quality? So as you think about Matty Healy, the whole Matty Healy approach, what's his greatest rock star quality? Trudes, we'll start with you on this one. I think it's his his physicality. It's the way he carries himself because it's yeah. unique. Um, there's this certain like almost like wispy, mm-hmm. sometimes effeminate quality to the way that like he moves on stage, like a Mick Jagger thing almost. Yeah, kind of yeah. where it, he. You know, it's wispy, but in a you know a legitimately talented way. Yeah. You know, like there's a music video, uh, "Sincerity Is Scary," where he does this whole dance routine. It's like this guy has some actual chops in this. Yeah. 
And there's, you know, it's the way he carries himself. It's the way he kind of leans over and like, you know, flaunts that he's holding a cigarette at yeah. a, you know, a 45 degree angle dangling out of his hand. Yeah. It's the way he carries himself that is just very, I don't care at all. Can we do 10 seconds on cigarettes? Oh, yeah. Yeah, let's go. I, th- I think they're really cool. <laughs> like, so, that's all, that's all I'm going to say. I said my piece. Oh, I'll say I'm asthmatic. So yeah. <laughs> I can't smoke cigarettes. Yeah. If, even if I wanted to. Sure. Not that I would ever condone smoking no, cigarettes. No, nor would I. I don't think they're cool, <laughs> despite what I just said. We get the disclaimer in. Yeah, yeah. Ever get since the I was 12, though, I think the coolest thing a person can do is smoke a cigarette. It well, just looks cool. It, it just looks, looks cool. Yeah, and we're, we're sort of, like, raised on the idea that it looks cool. Like, you, I don't know, you go to the mall and you see, like, your first James Dean poster and, like, a Spencer's Gifts, and he's... He's leaning against a wall, like ripping a cig, and it's like the coolest looking thing you've ever seen. And it's hard to explain. But um, but yeah, I, I think to your point, Trudes, and I say this at the risk of sounding controversial, he is wispy, he is willowy, he can dance, but there's something real kind of masculine about it. And I know we can't really talk about that stuff anymore, but but it it still scans as masculine to me, and that, that kind of makes it interesting. Well, I think you're right there because he didn't. He didn't. He's not doing this in the current sh- like uh, tour he's on. But mm-hmm. there's shows where he comes out and he does like the. I think Kurt Cobain started this. Maybe I'm wrong. But yeah. He does the the male singer in a dress. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. And it's still very clearly. Like, yeah. It's Maddie. It's not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. not him pretending to be something he's not. Yeah, he's, Cobain definitely did that. I mean, we could argue about who started it. We could go back to like. Bowie and the sort of androgynous art rock kind of stuff from the 70s but um but yeah Cobain kind of famously did it in our lifetimes and um yeah it's interesting so what about you Alcazar on greatest rock star quality I think my answer has elements of what Trudy was talking about oh I call him Trudy his mm-hmm. name is Truman but um, good distinction. That's a good uh, <laughs> season one, episode one distinction. Yeah, that's some Trudy lore. Yeah. I'll go by several different names. And I call them Trudes, which yeah, is yeah. yet more confusing. Yeah, yeah. Um, but part of it is the physicality. Mm-hmm. And like like was mentioned, we were there last night. I think for me, it's he's bringing the physicality, but it's all, almost how much he puts out there every every performance yeah because um, I've been I've been tracking with this tour ever since it started so I've been seeing videos and all of that mm-hmm. leading up to the performance I saw and he is just putting himself and his his body and his music and essentially himself every part of himself every yeah. particle of his being into the music to the extent where you almost are worried for him. Yeah. Um, there are videos of like, not not on this tour, but previous tours where at the end of the show, he's collapsing mm-hmm. because he's put so much of himself into the performance. Yeah. There, there's something really fundamentally rock star about not holding anything back. Yeah. And audiences love it. And we love it in genuine people, right? We love it when we run across somebody who's really not curating. They're just going for it in the moment. And he definitely puts out that kind of energy. And I think it makes him trustworthy. You know, we, we trust a person like that. Um, and we feel uh, appreciative, you know, that they're not holding anything back. And in 
being in college in 2022 is sort of this exercise in caveating everything and being very careful. And I think the experience that you guys had last night is so fun because for two hours in a dark arena, you just get to see somebody going for it, just letting it rip, dude, and not caring and not caveating. And it is really fun. My answer to this one is different, and it's a bit more mechanical. I think Healy's greatest rock star quality may just be that he's in a band, and there's not really bands anymore. Um, like, he's the front man for a rock band. And how many people can you really say that about who are doing arena shows in 2022? It's a short list, right? So the fact that he's in a band, the fact that he's a traditional front man, the fact that you could, like drop the 1975 into the art rock scene of actual 1975 and they would make sense there i think that's a translatable kind of rock star quality and i'm i'm in on it i think that's a great point because if you think about it there really isn't that band anymore that's right besides the 1975 yeah there was a moment last night he played the best song not the best song necessarily but the song that's gained them the most success. It's not living if it's not with you. And he, right before he plays the song, everyone knows he's about to play it. They're kind of starting the song. He goes, we're the best band in the world and we keep getting better. And yeah. they go straight <laughs> into the song and you buy it. I love it, dude. I, yeah. And you yeah. want to buy it. Yeah. Like, I love it. I love the swagger. Um, you're going to a rock show to some degree to watch someone who's not like you, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And... Like the three of us wouldn't say, like I wouldn't walk into a classroom and say, I'm the greatest professor of all time and I'm just getting better, <laughs> you know? Like, and you wouldn't do that as a student, even if you feel it some days. Um, but it's why we go to a rock show. It's kind of part and parcel. It's fundamental. And, and I think we are right in being in this headspace where in the actual 1975, there were a dozen mega bands. There were a dozen like stadium or arena show bands, you know, Led Zeppelin, The Who, The Rolling Stones, um, I don't know, The Eagles. Uh, there were there were all kinds of these bands that were touring and doing arena shows and kind of doing the rock star thing at a high level, but he's, um, he's, he's part of a, a very small group in that regard. So next question, what holds him back? What holds Matty Healy back from eternal like rock superstardom it could be cocaine it could be uh his own ego like i'm, I'm just thinking about like kind of long-standing rock star tropes what's going to hold maddie healy back alcazar i think if anything because i think i'm going to say this my money is on that that they they stand the test of time okay and they keep doing it they keep getting better but I think if anything holds them back, it's going to be, um, I think it's going to be losing touch mm. of, of the audience. Yeah. Um, which is something that you can easily do if you're, all, if you're on top of the world like Matt yeah. Healy is. Um, I think each of their records has, the reason it's been so successful is one, because the sound is amazing and it, it really, you want to dance to it, you want to cry yeah. to it, you want to love to it all of it mm-hmm. but also each record has spoken to something that a large group of people are feeling so the first album is this kind of apocalyptic almost post-punky mm-hmm. like 
being a teenager sucks album. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then you have a brief inquiry into online relationships where it's an album that in my generation we hadn't heard before, which was, hey, being in love and being online are opposed to each other. Mm. This is scary. Yeah. I know what you're feeling. And then you have this new record where he goes kind of the opposite way and he says, hey, we just need to love each other. It's yeah. all very kind of sappy. Yeah, yeah. And I think the minute a 1975 record comes out where the audience doesn't feel like Maddie Healy gets it, yeah, it's going to be the moment when he loses it. All right, this is huge. Uh, that's a great insight. And I want to ask you both a follow-up question. Regarding bands and rock stars at this level, have there ever been any that have grappled with content like that? Like Led Zeppelin wasn't singing about, I don't know, the Vietnam War in 1975. You know what I mean? Like there, there were, in fact, there was something very rock star in that era about not doing sort of, I'll call it current events. There, he's doing more than that. Um, but there wasn't this kind of zeitgeisty quality about, you know, Led Zeppelin or the Eagles or the Rolling Stones. But there is about Maddie Healy. And I think you make a great point. When you hang your hat on that, you run the risk of losing it. If you ever just age out of being in touch or even decide you no longer want to be in touch. My question to you, Truman, is twofold. One, how old is Matty Healy? Like, just help me understand. Let me put him in an age context. So he's he's early 30s. Okay. Um, He's he's firmly a millennial in terms of like you know when he grew up and also like all of the the baggage and the content that that carries with it. Yeah, yeah. You know, he's the first, you know, or they were some of the first artists, like David said, who like talked about the internet and what the internet was meaning to people who were growing up and falling in love and doing all of this online. Yeah. Um, but I think the thing, and this goes back to what David said about like what allows them to keep going is that he doesn't date himself. Okay. In that he is firmly a millennial, but he doesn't become a millennial yeah. in terms of the cultural references that he has, the things mm-hmm. he's able to talk about. Mm-hmm. Because you look at the audiences, and the audiences are still the same age that they were yeah. know, 12 years ago, where uh-huh. it's still mostly, you know, 20 something. It's still mostly college yeah. students. And the reason for that is because he does have his hand on the pulse of yeah. this whole thing, right? Like, there's, you know, there's a video where it's just him kind of explaining their songs, and he does like some like gesture from the internet. Yeah, and he says, like, if you don't know what this means, they're going to take your internet vibe pass away. And like, I wouldn't know what it means. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a more current thing. It's more Gen Z than it is millennial, but that's, sure. that's why he works is because he still has his finger on the pulse. Yeah. So let me ask you this conceptually. Let's envision a day. And I have a selfish motive for asking this question because I think to a large degree, I no longer have my finger on the pulse, but I want to keep working as a professor. Like, we're not friends because, I don't know, we send each other all the same memes or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you guys are you're light years ahead of me in terms of internet culture, but we're still friends because we connect over ideas like this. If there comes a day where you listen to a Maddie Healy record and you're like, he's kind of lost the finger on the pulse thing, but I still love the music. I still love who he is. What will that experience be like? That's maybe too obscure a question by half, but like, will you, will you like him less in that moment? I think, 
yeah, you definitely like him. You'd like Matty Healy, the rock star, the front man less. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much that would mean that you like the 1975 less. Yeah. Because, you know, the other half of this and the other half of making music, besides yeah. lyricism, is actually being able to, you know, make music. Yeah. And really good music, really interesting music. Yeah. yeah. And that doesn't rely on the whole internet culture hand on the pulse thing. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, you know, the fact that they have interesting, you know, production and they have, yeah. you know, sax solos and stuff that other like pop rockers are not doing. Yeah. So that's still there, even if you lose the finger on the pulse. Yeah. They're it's pushing f- themselves and you yeah. still respect that. Yeah. Um, so at the very least, it's still fun. Yeah. No, I get that. I totally get that. I think for me, it's going to depend on how he does it. So, and I, I, I'm acknowledging that I love this band so much. So it's not going to be the same. It might not be the same for a lot of people who are more just mm. kind of casually yeah. into the band. I think it, he can do it in one of two ways. The first way would work for me, and it almost is like their previous album, Notes on a Conditional Form, which is by far their least successful album, um, where he, he was experimenting with a lot of different sounds. It was very, like, uh, the whole thing was about this big kind of environmentalism was a big part of it mm-hmm. um, still digital age stuff it worked the least for me but I still liked it because there was a distinct vision that yeah. Maddie was trying to go for mm-hmm. so I still like a lot of the music and I'll still listen to the album because even if it doesn't work as much for me it works because Maddie had a distinct vision and went for it I think if he ever does the second kind of option which is thinks he has the finger on the pulse fully commits to it and he just is totally off base. Yeah. That's going to be where I still love the band, I still love Maddie, but it's just going to be very disappointing. And I think there'll be less trust going into future albums. Yeah, that's a great point. And I think to your comment there, there's a sort of knowing what you're talking about element to all this where like I don't know if Motley Crue had like made a concept record about the environment, it would be like you guys know about partying and like chicks and you yeah. know this is this is not in your wheelhouse like just you know kind of write about what you what you know about and um yeah so him sort of understanding internet culture and growing up native to all that that seems kind of snug within the wheelhouse of a person's knowledge set or skill set or whatever and that's appealing i have another question this question is off script so we we have not talked about this but um, in the 90s, so the the decade where I was kind of growing up, falling in love, having girls over to my dorm room for the first time, like a part of, of 90s wooing was she comes over for the first time and she's looking at that like rack of CDs on your wall and kind of just spinning through there. And it's, it's something easy for her to look at while you're making awkward conversation in the room and she's making judgments. That pathology doesn't necessarily work anymore in that there's no longer a rack of CDs. But if there were, would 1975 records in your collection help you pull, be neutral, or like do the opposite of helping you pull? Oh, would they, it make it more difficult? They help. <laughs> they help. Uh, it, it not only, <laughs> not only can they, it, they have definitely helped me pull. How so? <laughs> I, I would love to hear about this. I'm interested in pulling dynamics. So, <laughs> honestly, again, this is knowing I know their discography, so there, there's <laughs> nothing about their music specifically that is geared towards women. Yeah. But 
demographically, yeah, women love the 1975. Dude, you're not wrong. Like, my wife loves it. Yeah. And she doesn't love a lot of the music that I play. Like, and that's okay. Um, but it's one that we both agree on. We like the songs. We like the records. She likes it. Um, Trudes, you had you have comments on the helping you pull. Yeah, I do. So yeah. because of what, what David said, so that's very true, and the band knows it's true, and Maddie Healy knows it's true. Interesting. Because he put on his Instagram story recently, and this is merch that they had at the show last night that we did not buy. Uh, <laughs> they have a T-shirt that says, just your girlfriend's favorite band. Oh, fascinating. Which is like, you know, they get it. They get themselves. Yeah. They know who they are. What other bands has that been true of? Either in your lifetimes or in mine? Because every time you say something like that, I'm, I'm challenged to like think of paradigms. Like who has that been true of? Like your girlfriend's favorite band. Cranberries in the 90s? Yeah. But the Cranberries almost don't count because they had a female singer. That's true. You that's know what true. I mean? Um, but yeah, my wife loved the Cranberries in the 90s. Shout out my wife who will definitely listen to this. And she knows that when she used to play Cranberries records, I would kind of recoil um, <laughs> because it's, it sounded like caterwauling to me. And we've, we've talked about this ad nauseum, so she won't be offended, but she'll just get a kick out of that. Um, yeah, I don't know, dude. Like, I wasn't really, I was born in 76. And I became like a sentient being in like, I don't know, 1982. So <laughs> I missed like the Rolling Stones in real time. But I think the Stones had a little bit of that. Your Mick girlfriend. Jagger. Yeah, Mick Jagger, Mick Jagger. Like your girlfriend's favorite artist kind of quality. And there was something raw and kind of animalistic about it that wasn't there for like the Beatles. The Beatles were kind of like... They were too polished and intellectual. They were polished and intellectual, but they weren't like... They didn't have animal magnetism in yeah. the same way that the Stones did or Matty Healy does. So... I mean, yeah, um, you didn't see Paul McCartney take his shirt off on stage. And exactly, yeah. <laughs> right, I mean, it, it wasn't that kind of experience at all. But I think that has to be there for, like, true charismatic dirtbag, like, rock star stuff to be there. And um, I guess I'm, I enjoy the fact that somebody's doing that right now. And I enjoy learning about this person through you guys. This is the, this is, like, the value added of being a college teacher is that, I get to encounter stuff that I wouldn't normally encounter or think about, and um, it's really fun for me. We have one last question, and uh, it's this. What is this artist's trajectory? Is it going to be self-parody, death, continued artistry? Like, what's the trajectory for Matty Healy as a dirtbag, as a charismatic dirtbag rock star? I think he's thirty, so there's some there's some meat left on the bone. There's some upside, yeah. but yeah, go for it, Truth. I think it's continued artistry, at least for another album or two. Yeah, because and I'm not sure if I would have said that before the most recent album came out. Okay, because uh, it had been a while, and their most recent album before that, uh, Notes on a Conditional Form, was you know their least popular, like David said, and even the band admitted that. You know, this is part of like the transparency thing with Matty Healy. Is he'll get mm -hmm. on his Instagram story, he'll get on Twitter, and be like, "Yeah, this was our weakest album." Interesting. Well, he loves notes. Um, he knows That's true. that people don't like it, and he likes that, and he likes to kind of stir the pot. That's true. Uh -huh. He said he said self titled was their weakest album. Yeah, he said uh, notes is better than self titled, which is kind of a big thing. It's like to a say controversy within the fan base. Yeah, great. I love self titled. It's so good. it's a blast. It's, a it's such a fun album. record. It's yeah, fun. yeah. <laughs> It is, um, and it's very listenable from like top to bottom. Yeah. Um, Alcazar, 
what's the trajectory here for Matty Healy? I think it's continued artistry because they, as a band, have overcome the traditional things that break bands up. So, okay. um, I don't know if you know this, but the reason the 1975 is still a band is because they were 13-year-olds and best friends. They formed a band. That's wild, dude. They were a band through high school, mm-hmm. early college. They stayed together, yeah. made the first album, got successful. Um, there's interviews where Healy is saying, like, I would take a bullet for everyone in this, wow. in this band. They are t- a tight group of people. Yeah. So they've overcome the first problem, which is, um, you know, the band's break up. Jealousy, so infighting, creative differences, yeah. et cetera. Yeah. Because for them, it's not it's not this creative project. It's, it's a whole f- different thing for them almost. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it's an exercise in friendship, right? Absolutely. Which is what I think for me at least is aspirational when making something you know and whenever I collaborate with people I want it to be an exercise in true friendship you know and loyalty and all those things that you would love to see and sometimes it is sometimes it isn't but yeah again it's very magnetic when you see that happening so before I answer the trajectory question I have I have questions for you guys is Maddie Healy married no no okay um that's part of this for me, trajectory-wise, because there's like a plays career a hundred times, and maybe sixty-five times he just like dies of too much sex, you know. So like, <laughs> there, there's that. That's in the ether. That, that could, could happen. happen. <laughs> yeah, like, and and we're kind of laughing about that, but like, you know, the moral pitfalls that are sort of out there for a rock star, like you have things at your disposal that the rest of us don't have, and knowing what I know about my own sin nature and just sin nature in general, like it would be easy to let, to let those things win and to let those things run. And there's a certain level of, I'm not even talking about the material trappings of excess, but just the ego trappings. Like there's something about going into play a room last night that had what, 10,000 people in it, 12,000. You play rooms like that night after night and there's a 0% chance that you can live a normal life. Like, in fact, the minute you play that room for the first time, your life is over. I mean, true, you're a sports guy, and so am I. It's, the, it's like Bryce Young playing in front of 120,000 people at Neyland Stadium and another, you know, X number of million on TV. That kid's life is over. You know, he can still have a good life, and his life could, in fact, be very lucrative and very interesting, but him having a normal life and going to Kobo and grabbing a bite after this, like you guys are going to do his life's over. And so I would worry with Maddie Healy about do the decadences, the excesses, do those things win? Do they win on an ego level such that he loses whatever ability he had to connect with the common man? And I think at whatever point you do that, you run the risk of delving into self parody. Right. Like in a way, like Mick Jagger is doing like Mick Jagger karaoke and he's been doing that for 25 years now. And it's sort of like he's doing this rock star bit when, in fact, like most 75 year olds don't they probably want to be doing different stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's, he's doing Mick Jagger karaoke. And I guess I don't want to see Matty Healy delve into that in quite the same way, if that makes sense. I think there's hope, though, because there's the second pitfall for rock stars that I was mentioning, which is that they, they die of drug use. Yeah, right. Um, and it's kind of no secret that Healy had his struggles with heroin. Um, and I can't speak directly to what all played out, but he very much spoke about how 
his bandmates, which were his friends, saw that he was on heroin, didn't like it, mm-hmm. pulled him out. Yeah. And so I think it all it all remains to be seen what happens, but I think there's hope that it doesn't just become this whole he he loses the fight to ego, yeah. loses it to sex, whatever. Yeah. It there's hope that he's he's surrounded himself with people that care about him as a person. Yeah. And that he cares about them to the point where he'll listen to them. That's appealing. And if you think of like the energy behind rock star narratives that we love, even a movie like Almost Famous, you really want to see them make it work interpersonally. And you want to see that be healthy for the long haul. And if that's healthy, then there's a shot that like the person who's out in front of all of it can remain healthy. Um, Boys, this has been fascinating and a blast and really fun for me. I hope it's been fun for you. This has been Charismatic Dirtbags, a podcast about rock stars. Um, We're going to do a handful of these, and they're going to be surprising and different. Um, And I can't wait to embark on this with you guys. And uh, audience, we hope you embark on it with us. And until next time.